This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today. We want you to continue to watch for the next few minutes as we discuss the topic, studying the Bible, studying the Bible. There's some things that we need to be aware of when we study the Bible. I hope that you'll stay tuned today. Now today on our telecast, we continue to offer a free Bible correspondence course. I'd like to, I'd like to stress the course is free that you might know more about it and how to receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. When you think about the Bible and studying the Bible, there, there's a passage of Scripture that always comes to my mind. And that passage is in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now there's another passage that also comes to mind, and that's in Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. I want us to think about that passage for just a moment. He's talking about people who were fair-minded. Well, how did they show that they were fair-minded? They received the word that they had been taught with all readiness, with readiness, eagerness. And what else did they do? And searched the scriptures, how often? Daily. Why did they search the scriptures daily? To find out whether these things were so, to see if what they were being taught was true. There are lots of things to remember when you study the Bible. For example, you need to remember the Bible is inspired of God. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. You need to study the Bible with an open mind, as is suggested here with fair-mindedness. God never intended for us to understand the truth if we have our minds closed. Also, when we study the Bible, we need to understand that that there's no one among us that knows all there is to know about the Bible. If you should study the Bible hours and hours every day for the rest of your life, you would never learn all there is in this book. And when we study the Bible, we need to keep in mind that it will be the standard of judgment at the end of time. 
Furthermore, when we study the Bible, we need to keep in mind the different divisions of the Bible. There's the Old Testament, the New Testament. And the Old Testament has been done away in Christ. Jesus endorsed the Old Testament, every bit of the Old Testament. And he endorsed the New Testament. And we live today not under the Old Testament, but we live under the New Testament. So we have to understand those two divisions of the Bible. Some people go to the Old Testament to find what God would have them to do in this age of the world when in reality God has given commands in this age of the world for people in the New Testament. But also when we study the Bible, we have to understand that there are three ages of history that are found in the Bible. First of all, there's the patriarchal age that lasted about 2,500 years. The mosaical age, it lasted about 1,500 years. And today, we live in the third age of Bible history called the Christian age. Let, let's think about that patriarchal age for just a moment. And that began with the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God made everything that exists in our world today in the very beginning. And God made man. He formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and that first man became a living soul. And God took a rib from the side of man, and from that rib he made the woman. And when the woman was presented to the man, the man said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And so the woman was, this was the beginning of the home, as a matter of fact. The, the woman was created from the side of man. And the man and woman were in the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, they were told not to eat of the tree that was in the midst of the garden. God told them you not to eat of it, not, not, nor touch it, lest you die. And the serpent beguiled the woman, uh, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 and 3, and she ate of the fruit, she gave it to her husband, and he ate of it. They were driven from the Garden of Eden. God, in Genesis chapter 3, announced his formal declaration of war on sin. And I want you to listen to verse 15. Because you have done this, you're cursed more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days you're alive. Now verse 15, And I'll put amnity between you and the woman, between your seed, the seed of the serpent, that is Satan, and her seed. And if you'll notice in the text, the word seed after the word her is capitalized. He shall bruise your head, that is, the seed of woman would bruise the head of the serpent, and you shall bruise his heel. This was an early promise of God to bring Jesus Christ into the world as a redeemer of man. Later, the apostle Paul wrote about the seed of woman in Galatians 4, verse 4, when he said, When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, but they sinned. They were driven out of the garden. And as a result, sin, death, and suffering 
entered into the world. Adam and Eve had sons by the name of Cain, Abel, and Seth. If you were to trace the generations of Adam, the first man, through his son Seth, they go as follows. There is Seth, Enos, Kenan, Mahaliel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. And it was during the days of Noah, a descendant of Adam, that God saw that the very imagination of man's heart was evil continually. And thus God said, The end of all flesh is come up before me, and God sent a flood on the earth. But God saw Noah, and Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. And God instructed Noah to build an ark. And Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives were saved from the destruction of the world by water inside the ark. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20, the Bible says, When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. So they were saved in the ark. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah and his family were saved inside the ark by the grace of God, but they were saved by their faith, Hebrews 11 in verse 7. Now Noah had some sons. Their names were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. If you were to trace the generations of Noah through his son Shem, they go like this. There is Shem, Elam, Asher, Arphaxad, Lud, Aram, Selah, Eber, Peleg, Reu, Serug, Terah, Nahor, Abraham. You see, Abraham was a descendant of Noah through Noah's son Shem. And it was to Abraham that God made a great promise. And in Genesis, the 12th chapter, and the first three verses of that chapter, God promised a, a, to bless all nations through the seed of Abraham. He said, Get thee up out of thy country and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses, curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And he made a seed promise to Abraham to bless all nations through his seed. That's in Genesis chapter 22. Now, he had two sons whose names, he had a son whose name was Isaac. Isaac had two sons whose names were Jacob and Esau.
and Jacob had 12 sons. And one of those sons was a son by the name of Joseph. And Joseph was the young son who was given a coat of many colors. Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. And he was in the house of Potiphar. Potiphar made him an overseer in his house. He was second in command of everything in that house except Potiphar's wife. Day by day she had made advances to young Joseph and she made a, told a lie about Joseph and he was cast into prison. But God's providence prevailed. He was delivered from prison and he helped to prepare the world for famine in those days. Finally, Joseph's father, Jacob, and all of the children of, of Jacob, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, so the children of Israel came to live in the land of Egypt and the land of Midian. They were there for many, many years. And during that time, Pharaoh made slaves out of the people. He made them make the brick, and they were slaves to Pharaoh. And they began to cry out to God for deliverance. God heard their cries for deliverance. And he sent a man by the name of Moses to deliver the people from slavery. When Moses appeared before Pharaoh, he delivered the sermon that God had given him. Let my people go. And it was not until God brought ten plagues on the land that Pharaoh let the people go. That last plague, incidentally, what was the death of the firstborn of man and beast that all of the land. And that's when Pharaoh let the people go. And now they're at the Red Sea. The sea before them. Pharaoh now decides to bring them back so he sends his army to bring them back. What are they going to do? And God told Moses, take that rod in his hand and hold it over the sea. And when it did, the waters parted and the children of Israel walked across on dry land. And that was the end of the bondage of God's people in Egypt. They came to Mount Sinai and God called Moses up on Mount Sinai and he gave him a law, first written law man had ever received, the Ten Commandments. And after they received those Ten Commandments, they began their journey to a land flowing with milk and honey, going back home. But it took 40 years because when they came ready to enter into the land of Canaan, they had an evil heart of unbelief. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Finally, they entered Canaan. They were ruled by judges. And then they began to want a king, and they were given a king. And for a period of 120 years, the kingdom was united. But then there was a division in the kingdom. During all of this time, they were governed by the law given through Moses. But that law given by Moses ended at the cross. When Jesus died upon the cross of Calvary, the law given to Moses on Mount Sinai came to an end. Listen to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which was against us, which was contrary to us, taking it out of the way and nailing it to the cross. The law given by Moses ended at the cross. 
back in Galatians, the third chapter and verse 19, Paul even asked the question, Wherefore then serveth the law? He said it was added because of transgression till the seed shall come. You remember the promise about a seed in Genesis 3.15? You remember the promise made to Abraham about blessing all nations and blessing all nations through his seed in Genesis 22? He said the law was added because of transgression till the seed shall come. Well, what seed are we talking about? Go back to Galatians, the third chapter, and read verse number 16 because there we find out what the seed is that Abraham was, talk, was, was, was uh, meant when it was said to Abraham what it meant in Genesis 3.15. Listen. I, and, I, and he saith to Abraham and, and in his seed were the promises made to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. That refers back to Genesis 12. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ. The promise in Genesis 3.15, the promise in Genesis 12, the promise repeated in Genesis 22 about the seed is Jesus the Christ. Now in Galatians 3.19, what purpose did the law serve? It was added because of transgression till the seed shall come to whom the promise was made. And it was, promised, and it was the promise was made by the hands of angels, by the hand of, through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now look at verse 24. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. The Old Testament law is called a tutor, schoolmaster. And it was to last until Jesus came. Friends, when Jesus came, Jesus fulfilled the law. He didn't come to destroy it. He came to fulfill it. In Matthew 5, 17, he said, Think not that I'm come to destroy the law. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. And Jesus fulfilled the law in that he fulfilled the promises and the predictions made about himself in the law. He fulfilled it in that he lived by the law as no other person had ever been able to do. He lived by it perfectly. Someone says, Well, what does all of this mean? That just simply means that today we're living in another age. We're living in the Christian age. And we're not living under the law given to Moses in the Old Testament. We're living under the law given by Jesus Christ in the New Testament. There are three ages of Bible history, the patriarchal age, the mosaical age, but today we live in the Christian age. Now, someone says, well, does that mean that you don't believe that the Old Testament is true? I believe every, every word of it. There is profit and there is benefit in studying the Old Testament. For instance, in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, 
that we through comfort and patience of the Scriptures might have hope. We need to study the Old Testament. Listen to Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. Continue thou in the things what thou hast learned hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Of course we believe the Old Testament. Of course it is true. Of course it is the Word of God. And it makes us wise unto salvation. It tells us that Jesus Christ was to come into the world. All of the prophecies, all the predictions, there's profit, there's benefit in studying. It's not a question of do we believe it. The question is, when I stand before God on the day of judgment, am I going to be judged by it? And the answer to that question is no, because that was given to a people in another age of the world. Today we have the gospel. We are amenable to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to Jesus himself in John the 12th chapter in verse 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word, hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. It's what Jesus says to us in this age of the world is the standard by which we shall be judged, not by what was given in the Old Testament. Why the prophets foretold about the coming of the, of the church age. In Daniel 2.44, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and it shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. It shall stand forever. And it was in the days of those kings that Jesus came into the region around Caesarea Philippi. And he made this startling announcement. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus promised the church age today, we worship in the church. Today we give glory to God in the church, Ephesians 3.21. The patriarchal system was a family worship system. The father, the patriarch of the family was the head. The mosaical age was worship that centered around the tabernacle, later the temple. It was a national religion. It was a national worship. And today, we worship in the church. When we obey the gospel plan of salvation, by having faith in Jesus Christ, by repenting of sin, by confessing faith in Christ, and by being scripturally baptized into Christ, buried in water, for the remission of sins in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we're then added to the church by the Lord. Now that's not my theory. That's exactly what the Bible teaches. 
I call your attention to some passages in Acts chapter 2. This chapter is a pivotal chapter in the Bible. If I were to pick out one of the chapters in the Bible that would be, in my judgment, the most important chapter in all of the Bible, it'd be the second chapter of Acts. Everything before this chapter about the church is pointing to this chapter. Everything after this chapter about the church and the church age and salvation and Christianity is pointing back to Acts chapter 2. And it was on this occasion, which was the day of Pentecost, verse 1, that Peter preached about Jesus. Notice verses 22, 23, 24. And in verse 36, he said that, you, that he told these people standing there they had crucified the Son of God. And they asked, what shall we do? And the simple answer was this. Verse 38, please look in your Bible. Repent. And let every one of you be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the authority of Jesus. Jesus is the one who authorized us in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For what reason? For the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, all or for all. And as many as the Lord our God will call. That simply means that everyone can do, anyone can do this. This is for the whole world. And when people do that, as believers in Jesus, they're saved and they're added to the church. Verse 47, praising God, having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily, those who were being saved. No one is going to vote on whether or not you can be added to the body of Christ. That's God's business. If you believe in Jesus, would you not repent of your sins, confess your faith in Him, be baptized into it. I want to thank you for watching today. And right now, let me give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And also now, without any hesitation, Please pick up the telephone. Call for the Bible course right now. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. From my very first day at Faulkner, it's been an incredible experience. There's so much to do around campus and I know that I've made friends that will last a lifetime. I love using my iPad in my classes. I feel really prepared for the future. Plus, the use of e-text helps me cut costs on textbooks. At Faulkner University, we seek to educate the whole person, including mind, spirit, and soul. That's what makes us different from most other universities. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to 
Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. <laughs>